everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Cynical Challenge podcast. My name is Grayson Knutson, joining you from Edmonton, Alberta. You'll see things a little bit different this week, unfortunately. Jeff Salisbury is in charge of babysitting duties right now. I'm up being a little fussy, so you just have myself and Jeff Paulus on the line from St. Albert. JP, how are you doing? Fantastic. Survived uh, the last 11 days or so of assessments. Yeah, I still love my hair, so there we go. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously it's been a couple of weeks for us. JP had assessments with Scottish. Uh, I've been busy doing a couple of things, and, and Sally too, obviously with M and and work as well. So it just this is the first time we've actually had a chance to kind of get together, and uh, it's nice to talk talk football. So why don't we get into it, uh, JP? Obviously, the big thing uh, in Canadian football right now is uh, the Canadian women play two friendlies. Uh, in the last seven days, three uh, 0 victory over Wales this past Friday. Um, I don't know how much you can take away from a match against Wales. Uh, I guess if you want to compare it, they're similarly ranked in FIFA rankings to Argentina, who we saw at the Shiva Leaves Cup, uh, and that was only a one 0 win. So obviously, three 0 over a Welsh side uh, is a good little boost of confidence, isn't it, JP? Yeah, it certainly is. You know, I think these are the matches that. Um just the game time with, with new players coming in and with the new manager and, and maybe a new system uh, trying to be played matches against anybody are important matches. The, the opposition or who the opposition is become less vital. Um, it's just that chance to get 90 minutes against somebody uh, that has a different tactic to beat you. So it's just provides you that much more than a training match, you know, an inner squad. Um, I, I, got, I got to watch a bit of that game, you know, certainly. And, yeah, there's some there's some positives with this uh, with this players this group of players and there's some definitely some positives on the new girls being brought in right now. Um, yeah, yeah, one of the new girls who's been brought in the last uh, couple of times we saw it that she believes uh, Evelyn Vien. Uh, she scored in that match a, a little redirection on the ball from Becky to make it two nil. Uh, Deanne Rose scored and then also Jesse Fleming. I don't know if you saw that goal that she scored the third <laughs> one. What a strike that was to curl that yeah. into the top corner. Yeah, I could have used that in the Island Games to finish like that. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, great finish. I mean, that just shows her quality, you know, to line that up. She put that ball exactly where she wanted it. You, you could see her shape up to hit that one. And um, Really exciting young player, you know, certainly. Obviously, the concern from the, the Wales match was an injury to Christine Sinclair, kept her out of the second match. It doesn't seem like it's going to be anything serious. She should be okay for Tokyo. I'm not sure it's going to affect uh, her NWSL season, which is just starting to ramp up as well. But um, are you concerned at all about an injury to Christine? I mean, I think you always have to have that concern when you're, you're talking about one of the greatest um, players in, in Canadian history. Um, and I say players on purpose, not female or male. You know, uh, I think Christine Sinclair is, has been the important player, uh, certainly the last couple of generations, um, probably inspired more young uh, female players to take up the game uh, to try to achieve those goals, reach the highest level. So so Christine Sinclair deserves her own statue, um, you know, in front of Canada Soccer's headquarters, uh, quite honestly. So I think you're always concerned about about that. Um, but. You look on the other side and where this where this kind of program is headed now. We we know Christine is you know we're, we're getting we're at the twilight of her career. Um, this was an opportunity against a really good side in England um, to see what else we have, and and I thought that what else we have is quite good. Um, you know, there's a different feel. Obviously, when Christine's there, she's the focal point of the attack. Uh, when Christine's not there, the attack has to it becomes more by committee. Uh, more players are looking to get forward, I, I think, and and they can play a little differently. 
So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next uh, year, certainly as this transition happens here. But yeah, I mean, you know, you always miss a legend. I think I read a couple, a couple different people have mentioned this uh, on social media and articles and that kind of thing too. But when Christine's on the pitch, it seems like the players always defer to her. They always look to get her the ball uh, as the, their first option. Whereas when she's not, it almost feels like things open up a little bit more uh, because she's not there. And I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, a good thing to, it obviously is a good thing the way she finishes to have her on, but to, you know, have the players of the mindset that, you know, we don't have to go to her all the time, even when she's on, I think is something that needs to switch at some point too here. And how do you get players to, you know, kind of think that way to get away from, you know, this is our main option and really the only one when we get in trouble. It's a tough one. Again, you look at the Jesse Flemings and, and uh, the, you know, the Veens and, and these younger ones, they've grown up um, idolizing Christine Sinclair, I'm sure. Well, now you're sharing a picture there, but your qualities are right there as well as a player. Um, but this is still someone that that's inspired you. And it, I think this is a really tough thing for, for young players to get past when you have someone with that importance um, on the pitch. You're going to look to that player. I mean, Christine's a leader. Um, it, you know, for me, the more interesting um, scenario is, is, is what happens with coach, new coach. And I mean, Bev Priestman obviously has a relationship with Christine Sinclair, you know, having been with John Herdman. So there's that. But now, now that Bev will want her way to play. Um, and, and part of that coming in now is you have a Christine Sinclair, the twilight of her career. You've got all these kind of young players. You might have a different idea on how you want your team to play versus how it's been played the last few years. Um, where does Christine Sinclair fit into that? How do you manage that? Uh, you certainly don't want to be the one um, to make the decision that Christine Sinclair will not be a starting player on Canada. You want Chris, you're kind of hoping Christine makes that decision as the coach at that point. Um, that'll be the fun. I think that'll be the fun one to watch the, the fun kind of bit of controversy. Maybe that, that could happen. I was thinking she could almost maybe slide into something of a super sub role, maybe come in in the 60th, 70th minute. If, if you're tied or need a goal, and because mm-hmm. fresh legs, you know, be like, hey, just run your ass off for 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is here, whatever you have in the tank. And, you know, if you're looking for a goal late in the match, Christine's someone you're going to want out there. So I don't know, it may yeah. be something to explore. No, I love that. I actually like that better. I, I personally prefer that scenario to starting Christine and then, and then looking to replace Christine in the 60th minute. I would go the other way for that reason. If you have, if you have, um, a game fresh Christine Sinclair coming out for the last 30 minutes against a back line and a holding midfield player that's having to defend kind of some of the younger players and maybe some of the quicker players. Um, and they've been defending for 60 minutes and now all of a sudden they face a fresh Christine Sinclair. I mean, that that's pretty daunting for them. And um, I like that scenario, you know, personally. So we'll see how Beth Priestman handles it. The second match was the one that was going to be the real test as Canada looked really good. I thought, against England in a 2-0 win. Uh, first of all, how nice was it to see matches, or, or sorry, mistakes made in a match that cost a team goal that wasn't Canada? That was real refreshing to see, first right. of all. Obviously, with um, Evelyn Vienz, again, finding the, yeah. the score sheet with a steal in the third minute, and then Michelle Prince is a terrible mistake by uh, Karen Bardsley, the English keeper, uh, in late in the match to seal it. But um, if you look at it, aside from the two mistakes, Canada looked really solid defensively. They didn't give England a whole lot. Steph Labbe, a couple okay saves, but she wasn't really tested too, too much. 
No, a very good performance in the back. And again, I think this will be the, um, you know, when you have a back line that's that kind of together already, England's a good side. And, and to see the back line kind of, you know, again, they limited top chances. They, they kept top chances, you know, uh, to a minimum uh, in this game. What that now gives is a bit of freedom to your attacking players. So you can try different things here. You're not, you're not just, you're not pulling all 10 players back to necessarily defend. Now you can really set your team up to play the counter attack by keeping some players higher. I think when you're that solid uh, defensively, um, you know, it's funny you brought up that the, the keeper error there on the pass back is, you know, when I watched that, all I could think about was Jake Keegan um, coming from right. nowhere behind, you know, here at Clark. So I love it. But, um, but I mean, great effort to stay on that, not give up on it to challenge a keeper and um, yeah, horrendous keeper mistakes. You never happen, but, but good on us for, for jumping on it. That was Prince, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I know I was only able to watch that game in and out. I wasn't able to focus on it with, with just so much work going on, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, again, you're playing a top nation right now in England. And I think this is a, probably a statement game for, for Bev uh, to get this result, you know, against a program that she's left to come here. Um, this probably, this, that game primarily sets them up really well, getting ready for the Olympics here. Yeah, we had, uh, on the one soccer feed was the BBC commentary, um, and there's some panic in England a little bit uh, with this team. Uh, they have four wins, I think, in their last 14 matches. Uh, they yeah. lost to France 3-1 uh, prior to losing to Canada. So <clears throat> a little bit of concern there uh, for the English. Uh, for Canada, is the first win against a top 10 team uh, in 11 matches. So, mm -hmm. And the last win was actually against England. So a good confidence boost there, too. Um, two clean sheets in the two matches looks really good as well. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to point out someone we really liked in the game against the Americans at the She Believes Cup, Vanessa Gilles. Uh, yeah. There was one play in particular against England. She turned the ball up almost at halfway, was a step behind an English player who was racing in basically by herself, and Jill just hauled to get back, got a block yeah. on it, and I was so impressed with that. And she looks real good, and I, it's going to be real tough for Bev when it comes to making decisions for center backs because we didn't see Kadisha again, but you know she's okay. basically set in stone when it comes to a position in Tokyo. Um, but yeah, she interesting is. choices for, for Bev at the back too. Absolutely. Uh, fantastic. Um, she believes cup. And then again, this gaming, that recovery run was, was, well, it was vital because if you saw when the, when the player actually did try to beat Steph LeBay coming out, the angle was there, the ball would have gone past Steph. And, um, but because of that recovery run, it, it's come off agile uh, and it's gone out. Um, so nah, I, I quite like her actually. Um, you know, I mean, Kadisha, yeah, she's a lock that that's hundred uh, percent, you know, the level she's playing at and how much she plays. No brainer, but um, no, listen, I mean, Bev, this is an exciting group again. You know, we talked about what would happen in, in women's football in Canada when this generation kind of, you know, aged out. Um, I think we're seeing that we're actually, we're, we're going to be okay. Um, this is a different type of player now. I think that um, these players are probably more comfortable on the ball than the previous kind of generation of footballers. And, and we're starting to see that uh, in this roster. And I think Bev is, is, I mean, every indication is Beth wants to bring that out. She wants these, she wants them to keep the ball a bit. She wants them to play with it. Um, and it looks like we've got the talent pool there to, to make that happen. I know we were a little bit down on the women following She Believes. Uh, mm -hmm. I think opinions have changed a little bit. And if they play like they did against England, this is certainly a team that could contend for a medal once again in Tokyo. Um, the Americans are always going to be the favorite uh, the Dutch are obviously very strong as well. 
England, Australia, although the Aussies gave up five goals against Germany and France in their last two games. So they're a little bit of trouble, but you know, maybe aside from the Americans and the Dutch, it's kind of wide open and performances like that have got to, you know, at least give you a little bit of, of hope or confidence that, you know what, they could go in there and get a third straight medal. Yeah, no question. I mean, does Desiree have a spot now? That's interesting too, because how good was Quinn or how good ha- have I they know. been I know. for the last, know. you know, few matches. So, and yeah. they kind of play that same role. Um, yeah, lot, yeah, lots of choices. And you can only take 18 to the Olympics. It's different than a World Cup, right? Where you can take 23. So oh, I didn't know that actually. You only yeah. take 18. You can only really. take 18 players. That's kind of silly, but yeah, I mean, Desiree for me is that out and out help holding midfield player, the one that uh, that protects the back two defend, you know, these two central defenders. Um, and I don't know, ball runner. Um, you know, yeah. So against opposition that likes to kind of, you know, come at you centrally uh, with that kind of more middle buildup as opposed to kind of wide play and spreading the field out. Um, there's a fit for Desiree there for sure. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she makes the squad. Maybe it's uh, just a matter. Yeah, it's just a matter of maybe who the opposition is and how they like to attack. And you can exactly. kind of put people in. So it's nice, I guess, that flexibility for Bev. So it would yeah. be nice, I think, too, if they could play another couple of friendlies, maybe in June before the Olympics in July, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. Nothing has been announced as of yet. Speaking of hmm. June, that's when things really ramp up for the Canadian men's national team. And there was a whole big, you know, oh my goodness, the world is falling in when Jonathan David got injured in a match for Lille. He scored and then got injured in the same match um, and left and it didn't look good. And the initial reports were oh, he's ruptured tendon, tendons in his ankle and he's out for several weeks was the was the wording. But he's back at training. I don't know what happened, but he's back at training and he wants to play against Montpellier this weekend. So uh, mm. is there a big sigh of relief uh, there from uh, from Canadian supporters in terms of Jonathan David's health? Oh, of course, you know, just um expectations it's amazing because expectations here have changed with this uh, with this men's team um and he's he's a big part of that obviously him and Alfonso Davies you know those two in particular but it's a deep roster you know can we I, I think that we've got the ability right now to you know to manage a few matches without him you know if he wasn't available it wasn't doom and gloom for me I think that we now have the pieces in place where, where John has um depth in every position to work with now this is not something we would have said six years ago uh, eight years ago. I, I think that's the case now. Um, but of course, I mean, when Jonathan David walks into a camp, um, there's obviously a different atmosphere. There's a different feel for even amongst the other players. When you go and play your opposition, your opposition sees Jonathan David as your starting number nine. There's going to be a different kind of, you know, uh, a different opinion, a different feeling you have as uh, defenders on the opposition team. So fantastic. I mean, incredible. I can't believe it that he's back training right now, but yeah, it blows your mind, doesn't it? Um, it does. Yeah. A, a question I wanted to ask you when it comes to to Joe is, if you were to rank Canadian players by just how vital they are to our national team at the moment, whereabouts would you place Jonathan David? How high do you have him on a list like that? That's a tough question, Gray. Um, yeah. It's a tough question, just because again, I think that this national team isn't isn't. Um, we're not, we're not a team that is, is one player from being good or bad, um, quite honestly. So, again, I believe that, that we've got players that can step in and fill a void if Jonathan can't be here. Obviously, we want Jonathan here. Uh, absolute immense talent. Um, yeah, I mean, 
you know, if you can have them, you want them, but we can, re- we can replace, uh, we can, re- we can replace every player on the squad right now, quite honestly, uh, the way that he's got them playing, um, the different, the different looks that, that this national team has and that John can bring out. Um, how do I rate, rate? I mean, is he one? Okay. He's one of our top players, you know? Yeah. So is he one of our top, you know, three players? Of, of course he is. Um, and some people would argue one or two, uh, depending on who you like better. I guess what part of the country you're from. Right. Whether you, it's either going to be Alfonso or him. Um, but again, we're deep. We're, we're, we're fairly deep. So I think, I don't think there's a player that can't be replaced at this point in time. No, that's fair. I think it's a lot different than it was, man, even like five, 10 years ago, when if you, if you didn't have an Atiba for a set of matches while well, you're just like, wow, we are in so much trouble because there's nobody yeah. who can play that or Dero, a Dwayne D Rosario type of thing. Uh, even if you go back as far as like Thomas Rosinski and players like that, whereas now, if you don't have that, maybe your first choice, Second choice is not that bad. The drop off is is minimal. Where exactly. before it was the gap was so big. So yeah. So sorry, I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, no, no, that's um, I was a tough a hard one. one. Yeah. 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 But anyways, you'd rather I, not have to replace it. I mean, yeah. I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair to say for sure. So yeah, things get real busy in June for the men. Uh, June fifth is the match against Aruba, and then June eighth is the match against Suriname. Uh, that's the home match. So I guess it would be in Florida. It would be my guess, probably in Orlando again. Aruba right. was playing in Florida as well. And I would guess that that would be the same. And then the either Haiti or Nicaragua uh, series would be June 12th and June 15th, starting with the away leg. Now, if that isn't Haiti, they are allowed to play in Port-au-Prince. So that would be a tough one on the road. And then the home yeah. would probably be once again in Orlando. Nicaragua, they played their home match in the, the Dominican Republic the last time. Okay. So we'll see. And they play on June 8th as well, Haiti and, uh, De- and Nicaragua against each other, which would probably decide that group. And then, of course, the Gold yeah. Cup starts on the 10th of July. So busy. And, yeah, it um, is busy. Amazing. Haiti, Haiti will be tough. I have to, if we have to go play there, and yes. then your home game is not a home game. Your home game is Florida. Um, yeah, that, that could be a difficult draw. I mean, I still yeah. fancy us right now. Quite honestly, I just I really, I really like this team. I like oh. the way, obviously, the, I like the, the way they're being managed, um, their organization. There, there's just so much to like about this group right now. No, that's a good point. And yeah. the Gold Cup group is the Americans, Martinique, and then a qualifying winner. And surprise, surprise, one of the teams in that qualification tournament is Haiti. So, and they would likely be the favorites to get through. So I guess if you're going to create a Gold Cup nightmare group for Canadian uh, supporters in terms of past results at Gold Cups, USA, Martinique, and Haiti will probably be the three teams in it, and that's who they got. So that'll be interesting. How do you think John will approach these two, I guess, sets of of matches? Because you've got four big games in June, and then at least three. You would hope that you would probably play five or six in July. Would you use the same squad for both? Could you use the same squad for both? That's a lot of time for some of these yeah. players to be away. Obviously, European players should be off, but you also want them to rest up for the next season. How would you approach that? Yeah, well, i probably approach it with a bit of squad rotation, you know, in, the, in these matches for sure. Um, again, we've got the depth, I feel now, um, to be able to put out any roster to, you know, um, certainly to win our first game. Really, I don't think you need your top players to, to get a result there, uh, who your perceived top players are. So I, I'd, I'd rotate. I think that's uh, keep them fresh. Again, you said there's a lot of football. 
um, to be played here. Um, get them, get everybody playing. You know, the more and plus, the more we get them playing, you know, just it's just good for the chemistry of the squad, anyhow. Because now you're going to have some real great choices in those meaningful matches on on who will be the 18 that day. Um, and if you if you're choosing your 18 from a, you know, from a group of 26, 24 players that that are that have been playing, yeah, I mean, brilliant. Yeah, I just I don't I'm not sure how similar the two squads will look, the one in June and the one in July, because I'm sure managers in Europe probably don't want their, you know, players playing well, it'd be four plus maybe six, 10 matches in uh, over the summer, plus a bunch of training sessions uh, when they're supposed to be getting some recovery time and MLS clubs yeah. aren't going to let uh, players go for, you know, both. I'm sure there'll be an international window that would uh, shut down the season a little bit. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see who they can get for both, but we'll have to see. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. I mean, it, it is, it's that shutdown time. Um, but of course we, I mean, at the end of the day, these internationals are always going to be, you know, the summertime uh, during the European off season. Um, it's just a reality, but yeah, I just think for us, I mean, you know, I think to, you know, as we kind of grow and as we, you know, keep pushing for our world cup bid or birth, um, yeah. Any, any match where you can start bringing in some other players to have a look at, um, just to, again, to create that kind of same chemistry and the same culture around the group that he's been doing. I think you have to take advantage of it right now, instead of just burning up the same 14, 16 players, can we get a roster of 24 that place uh, that, that where some of these kids are getting minutes against some, against an Aruba, you know, as yeah. an example, you know, um, great way to get other players into your system. Yeah. And then of course the calendar doesn't slow down really either because September, October, November, more World Cup qualifying. And mm -hmm. that's when the, the Octa would take place replacing the hex. So right. we, we better be in that. Otherwise I don't know what to do. I don't so. see how we're not going to be. Yeah, yeah. no, I I'm fairly confident we'll be there, but you know, it's always, mm -hmm. until it's confirmed, you always have a little bit of shredded doubt, you especially know. when it comes to Canada soccer. Why don't we, flip a little bit here let's talk uh can pl uh not a lot of signings obviously the the ones that are coming out are from ottawa and not really surprising because we've we've seen the roster leak uh chris manella who obviously knows ottawa from playing with the fury uh york nine as well and then dylan pally who you know from fc edmonton and mm -hmm. jordan webb as well so that's the three they've announced still waiting on the rest of that list and i'm sure it'll come out but um yeah, Ottawa uh, making some signings. Really, they're kind of the only ones that aren't really close to having a full roster actually announced. Well, announced, so, yeah. yeah. They do have a roster. We've yeah. seen it. Uh, the world has seen it, at least the world that pays attention. And, um, yeah, I mean, I said it when we, when we talked about that league uh, a few episodes ago. You know, I said I, I like the players are bringing in. Um, and, and really, it looks like they've got a lot of players that are scoring where they're at. That's the key. If you look at uh, the goals, uh, some of the goal scoring numbers for the last two years, when, when these players were able to play in that time frame, there there's goals in these players, you know, mm -hmm. every, and, and in the different places that they've played at. Um, so exciting uh, for them. I mean, their, their biggest thing was always going to be, they still not replaced Acuna, you know, right. um, there's not, there's not a player yet. Um, but mind you, there's not a player in the league that that's anywhere close to this fellow. So I guess like I said, for everybody, um, but that'll be it. They have a couple of roster spots available based on the leaked roster. Of course, we know they need defenders. So that'd be an interesting thing to watch over the next, you know, couple of weeks here. Um, do they have players in the athletic system that are already ready to be loaned in to fill those defending spots? I'm probably assuming so. Um, but 
what I mean, what a preseason. Yeah. You know, They're over in Spain right now using Atletico Madrid's facilities. Uh, I don't know how long mm-hmm. they're planning on being over there, but they've been over there for a little while now. So yeah, yeah. What a, that's a dream. <laughs> oh, it's a dream. I mean, what, I mean, again, it's, you know, at such early days in the CPL and you've got one club that's tied to one of the, you know, top biggest clubs in the planet um, who brings you to their facilities for preseason every year. I mean, you know what, you're, you're trying to sell your, you're trying to sell your club, you know, to a player and, and Ottawa's talking to that player and, yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, as a young, as a young kind of, you know, budding star 21 year old, you're thinking that uh, going to Spain for three weeks this time of year is probably uh, not a bad thing. It sounds pretty nice. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, some um, camping trip, but it's, uh, it's decent. <laughs> that, that camping trip. I, we, we made up for it though, when the league made everybody go to the Dominican for a week. So I guess that's, that's right. okay. Um, that's right. Valor, uh, the, the pipeline between CF Montreal and Valor continues with a couple more players on loan. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Serwa, a goalkeeper. Obviously, that worked out last time with Pantamis. Uh, so this time, they're going to try another goalkeeper. And, and, a, and a forward, Sean Ray, as well, who played for Canada at the U-17 World Cup in Brazil in 2019, mm. uh, two appearances. So do you like that uh, clubs are kind of establishing links like that, a little pipeline system? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um because really we know the trick for these young players, especially the 18 year olds and some of the top prospects in the country, 18, 19, 20, they need to play matches. And if they're not going to play that, you know, with the MLS sides, then these loans work out for everybody. Um, They certainly work for the CPL because depending on the loan deal, some of these can be free transfers, free loans, uh, where you're just really covering the accommodations of a young player. And and that's really healthy for your salary cap. You can, it, it creates opportunities to do other things. So um, so I like to move for many reasons, but in particular for the young athlete that now gets to be in a regular training environment, playing meaningful matches um, at 18. So, you know, I, I wish them well. They had another kind of big announcement, but we, I thought we always knew he was coming back with Batiste. Um, mm. You know, and sometimes we, we talk so much about new players coming into a team. How is this team going to get better? New signing, new signing. You know, Shamit Shom coming to Edmonton, for example, new player, great signing. It's going to change the team. But we, we, we pay less attention to who's yet to re-sign. And sometimes it's your re-sign players that are actually going to have the most value and biggest impact in your team. And, get, and, and Valor, you know, again, talking about Baptiste the other day um, and being re-signed, that the beast is back. I think someone mentioned on one of their Earth accounts. Daily, I think, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a top, top defender. And you're getting him back. I mean, it's, it's actually impressive they've held him uh, for a year because I imagine there would have been a lot of interest in, in the USL Championship in particular for him. Uh, so the fact that that Valor kept him well done to them and Gailey in particular um, for selling a project that these players of that caliber want to be part of. Yeah, and obviously he's massive for that team on the back line, and maybe some of those those loan deals free up a little bit of extra of cash to, to you know give him that little bit of incentive to stay here and not and not go to the States as well. So good on Valor for for making that move. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, we talked about Ottawa training in Spain. Uh, FC Edmonton is training here, mostly using uh, the Scottish Dome for now before they go outside to Clark. Cavalry just started training this week as well. And Halifax, uh, the Wanderers have been training for, I think, about a week or so as well. Right. So half the clubs are training. Half the clubs, we don't know whether it's, you know, uh, trying to get uh, the restrictions lifted for them to train or, or what's going on there. But it's weird to see half the clubs you know, being like, Hey, we're back. And half the clubs are kind of in the dark 
what do you make of this whole situation? Obviously, it's different from province to province, but I mean, it, it's a weird look, isn't it? No, it is a weird look. It, it would make a lot more sense to everybody. I'm sure the managers in particular, if they actually knew when they were going to be playing. You know, again, it, it's, you know, it's one thing to get out early and get your team going. But if you're not going to kick a meaningful ball for three months, um, you know, it can be as detrimental uh, to the psyche of an athlete as well to kind of do this training and you're, you're not really training for anything. You can't play games because that's not allowed by COVID restrictions yet in our country to have, a, you know, contact uh, games against you know, side opposition. Um, so what are you training for? So this will be, yeah. I mean, the fact that, and also you need, I mean, teams need these players have been off forever. And last year they had what one month of football. So since, since November of 2019, these players have had one month of football. Yeah. Um, they're going to need more than ever a, a minimum six week proper training camp. And I don't mean a staged one. Like we tried to get ready for PEI where, you know, you could train one player on each quadrant of the field for two weeks at a time. That was it. You know, and then you ramp up to five players on one half. This has to be full team training with contact, normal football for six weeks. If these players have a chance of coming in and sustaining a season and maintaining their health, anything less than that um, is um, showing a complete disrespect or lack of concern for athlete health, quite honestly. So yeah. knowing that we need that, some teams are coming back now. Other teams are not training yet. So you can assume six weeks from the point that, you know, when the Ontario team starts to get training, now we can start to guess six weeks after that potential start dates. But until they start kicking the ball, you know, don't plan on football for at least six weeks from that point. I, would, I'm, I'm, I don't know this for a fact, obviously. I'm speculating, but if they don't give these athletes six weeks of proper training, it's not right. Yeah, so they were initially targeting the Victoria Day long weekend, which is six weeks from now. So it seems unlikely throw this mm -hmm. out there over under start date of July 1st, Canada day for the CPL this year. Over. Yeah. I, I don't see them starting before then either. So yeah. Yeah. I don't see it. It's tough. No, I, I know they're so set on butts and seats too. Uh, Cause obviously that's where the money's going to come from for these clubs. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, you can't bubble again. I don't think it's just not going to work. You've, you've got to have fans in, everybody's got to play at home. So I don't know. It's, it's tough. And with these variants and, and COVID and stuff, just rates are skyrocketing again until everybody gets vaccinated, you know, whatever the herd immunity marks, 75, 80%, it's going to be real tough, I think, to get people in seats. So I don't know. What do you, yeah. what do you think of the league? And is it weird that the league hasn't said anything? Like they don't really have a plan. Uh, Radio silence probably is maybe the worst thing right now, isn't it? Well, I think that we, yeah, especially when we know that teams are training and, and now all the clubs that we support are already, you know, again, if you're not in Ontario, the clubs you support are releasing images of teams in training, of, of you know, our favorite players or, or you know, the, the graphics that are coming out on social media and Twitter and whatnot. Um, so now we start to believe and we're starting to get excited, but they, we don't hear anything. And I, I think that for everyone that follows the CPL, I think that we almost owe it um, to all the followers of the league that are going to help build this league and make it sustainable. I think we owe it to those people to actually let them know, kind of at least give them an idea of what the plan is. Um, Cause it keeps us invested, but the longer yes. we have no idea, we, we lose our investment in, in, the, in teams and players. So uh, just for that reason. You got to at least, you know, get a schedule or something out like something some sort of concrete plan 
because as I mentioned, I think it was the last episode we were talking about the Voyagers Cup. Uh, I think the reason Forge hasn't been able to train uh, for the V Cup or a potential what should have been the final is because there's no concrete plan. There's no plan for them to have mm-hmm. matches. So why would the Ontario government say, sure, go ahead and train? Whereas Toronto FC has been like, here's our schedule. We have to play on X, Y, Z date. And the, the government's like, yeah, sure. You have a plan. Go ahead. Um, the obvious comparison for CPL, I think, is uh, the Canadian Elite Basketball League. It's a league that started up at the same time. It's a similar size. They have eight, eight teams as well. They've had a schedule out for two months. They tip off June 5th. Um, and they're indoors. So what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, there's the direct comparison. The league that started around the same time. Um, they managed to get in a very successful, um, and no one talked about that, but, but they had a very successful bubble yes. uh, experience. Um, and they were the first ones to do it. And, um, yeah, this is, uh, of course we have a good friend that's in a management position with the stingers, um, yes. yeah. Andre, you know, and, um, delighted for him, by the way, um, right. great guy. And, yeah, they, they've just nailed it, but they nailed it, everything. I mean, their marketing, their, their promotion and branding. Um, what, you know, I've been to a game uh, with the Stingers and I got to sit kind of front row and, and I had a great time. You know, the, uh, the drink prices are reasonable. Um, yeah, it's just that the music is playing. Yeah, it, it's just a fun atmosphere. So they're, they're really, yeah, they, they've got this piece figured out and they're providing a real entertainment experience. So, um, but you're right, they're organized. They, they have dates, they release schedules. They, they know when they're going to play. And if they if they have to make an alteration based on COVID, they'll they'll be the, they'll come right out and do that. Yeah. But at least they have something saying, "Here's the plan right now." And I think we would all buy this in the CPL. I think we would all appreciate that we're still in some unknowns with the variants. But here's here's what our plan is. We're starting on this date. Here's your schedule. Great. Now there is a plan B. If we can't start that, we'd all hold our hands up. No, yeah. great. There's a plan B. We get it. You know, because I won't go to a game right now until I'm vaccinated personally. Right. And well, FC Edmonton just uh, put out the results of their fan survey. It was like, would you attend if if you had to be vaccinated? Would you attend if you had to wear a mask, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, overwhelmingly, uh, the results were, yeah, if if all the safety measures are in place, then then we'll go for sure. But you're Mm -hmm. right. I think even if the CPL put out a schedule and said, this is what we want to try, I know they've had meetings and said, listen, this is plan A, this is plan B, this is plan C. They have mm-hmm. them probably all mapped out. Why not at least give the fans something, something to yeah. cling on to, something to look forward to, something to get the conversation rolling? Because we've talked about in some of these markets, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these teams get kind of pushed aside, especially when you haven't played since, you know, seven games last year. Like it's going to be real tough, I think, for some of these clubs to reestablish themselves in their communities. Well, give us a reason to buy a season ticket. That too. Because if I don't know what the schedule is, if I have no idea when the league is going to start, no idea what the plans are, if COVID extends it into, you know, a June starts, I'm not buying a ticket yet at the end of the day. Um, so give us that. Give me give me a reason to buy a season ticket and well, I'll buy one. Yeah, exactly. It must be a yeah. nightmare right now for the the ticket folks in every every club oh, trying, to, trying to sell something that there's no real – tangible you know thing yeah. there <laughs> That's you're right. just selling a dream at the moment and i mean that can only work yeah. for so long no yeah, i've tried a few of those buy a dream on the internet they never panned out 
<laughs> yeah, so hopefully we hear something from the Canadian Premier League soon because, like we mentioned, it's the middle of April. Uh, the first season, what was the first weekend? It was the last weekend of April, was it not? And then everybody, yeah. the rest of the league started off that first weekend in May. So that's right. Yeah. It would be about that time, but um, yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. It's tough. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers yes. crossed because we, we want this to work. We, we need to, a, uh, we need it has to work. League. CPL has to work and we all need to get behind it. Quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. So there you go. I think that pretty much covers everything we wanted to get to this week. Hopefully next time around, we have Jeff Salisbury back with us and uh, Emma's calmed down a little bit. So uh, we did mm -hmm. see him briefly beforehand. Uh, he popped in and just, yeah. yeah, she she was a little bit grumpy today, but it is what it is. So yeah, uh, it can't be easy living with Jeff. Let's be honest. Oh, I'd be grumpy. There's too. a reason why she's grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say he stayed over at my at my old apartment one time after a a V's match. So right, I got a I got a pretty good picture of him uh, <laughs> at, at about three a.m. just uh -huh. mowing down some Seven Eleven. So there you go. <laughs> no, I've never eaten anything at Seven Eleven. What? I've never eaten. No, man, I can't buy things that oh, are sitting at a gas station counter. I get it, man. It's that's sitting in the open. It's just kind of roasting there. It's not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Unless they want to sponsor the show, then maybe I'll have a hot dog on there. Exactly. I have definitely eaten from there. And it's no. one of those things that you just go, why did I do that? But yeah, it is no what doubt. it is. So anyways, why don't we leave it there for this week? JP, where can we find you online? Uh, Jeff underscore Paulus just on Twitter. There you go. I'm at Grayson Knudsen on Twitter. We are at the cynical chow one on uh, Twitter. Jeff Salisbury is at Jeff D Salisbury on Twitter. And he's on all the CPL Facebook groups. If you want to bug him there too. So follow mm -hmm. us on YouTube as well. Just search the cynical challenge. We're on anchor, Spotify, Google podcasts, and all your favorite catchers. JP love chatting with you. Hopefully we'll do it again real soon. As always. Great. Next week. Big news next week. Big news, a tease.